host for In My Feels But I'll Heal podcast brought to you by Being Nurtured, where you can make transformational change within yourself and get that change within yourself to expand in your communities and the world around you and make an impact and influence. But today we have a really good conversation topic. We are talking about people pleasing um, and how exhausting it gets. What are the origins behind people pleasing and how it can really affect your day-to-day life to the point where you get to burnout, you get to where you're tired and exhausted and you're having to reevaluate some of your friendships, some of your relationships and be like, this ain't it, this ain't cutting it anymore. But I'm bringing to you one of my dear friends, Ashley, and I wanna let her introduce herself. I love her so much and I'm super appreciative for her being here today. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Um, so my name is Ashley Dalmo Millette. And um, what I have to say is that I'm super grateful for being here. Like just the flourishing of our relationship to this whole podcast, this setup is so amazing. I'm so proud of you and I appreciate you. Um, and giving me the space to share who I am, where I come from, and I guess where I plan to be. Yes, and so, so what, what's important to know about yourself before we get into this podcast? Like, yes. what kind of point of view are we getting from people pleasing? And Ashley, like, what are we seeing here? Yes, so the point of view is really from coming from a immigrant family, first American generation, um, and just the point of view of having just a bunch of women in my life to learn from. Um, definitely came from a single parent household, but I had the support of my grandmother, my tia, my godmother, um, and my cousins who are just two pretty much out of many guys in my family, just two females. So, yes. Awesome. Awesome. And something really unique that I learned about Ashley and I really hadn't known prior to meeting her and then kind of the space that we met is the Garifuna community that you come from. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So um, I come from my family is Garifuna. My family is from Honduras, um, the black diaspora or African diaspora. So we're Garifuna people, which comes from a tribe in St. Vincent. Um, and then pretty much migrated to Belize and Honduras. So a roundabout of backgrounds there. So I am Garifuna, Honduran-American. Um, my parents are from Honduras, so a lot of background here. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, on top of that. And okay. I moved my way to Houston, Texas. <laughs> and, I, and now we have her here in our seat. Right. <laughs> and she's here. Um, hot complicated. commodity. <laughs> Not complicated. Multi-layered. Multi-layered. Dynamic. Yes. Uh, all of it. Multi-faceted, um, yes. Yes. And we do have some commonalities. So we are the youngest and the only girl in a household with boys, um, which you said you have three boy siblings, Yes, correct? three older brothers. Yeah, and I, I got three older brothers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so I didn't know that. <laughs> that's yeah. new. And maybe that's why we connect so well. Right. Oh, my goodness. Knucklehead brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I and I think that kind of leads us into some of the positions we get into, uh, kind of being the girl and some of the responsibilities that people think that we should be taking care of those, some more than nurturing, taking care of, and and uh, administrative roles. I think when, once you become a professional too, and they see that you can do it, you take up an admin role for the family as well. Absolutely. 
has that been your experience? That has been my experience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So two of my older older brothers actually moved to Georgia um, very early in my life. I was born, let me put it this way. My mom had me at 40. She had my three older brothers long before then. So my two oldest brothers, they moved to Georgia. Mm -hmm. I was left with one of my brothers who were just six years apart. Um, so with that dynamic, it was just us two and my mom. Okay. Yes. And, and I understand that my oldest sibling and I, 10 years apart, seven years apart, and then three years apart. Um, so part of it's like, you're, there's so much gap in between you and the siblings that you feel like, okay, we like really didn't grow up together. So like, it's like, you're having to get to learn this person that moved out of the household a long time ago. And then you kind of feel alone because everybody moved out the nest and you're the last one in the nest. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Very true. Very mm -hmm. true. I take pride in that, too. You yeah. kind of like being the last one. <laughs> I do. I, I feel like we benefit a little bit being the last ones, too, because, like, you know, so, some of the, you know, your parents are doing better. They don't got to feed four mouths anymore. True. Just, just them and one more. <laughs> very true. So things are a lot easier. Um, but let's kind of guide into this topic of people pleasing and some of the origins and where we see that. And we're talking about Latinidad and kind of how people pleasing somehow is incorporated also into the culture in, in ways that we don't even recognize it. And so I, whenever I think about people pleasing, I think about how we're very inclined um, in even Southern hospitality to be the hostess with the most is like, do you need water? Sit down. Like, can I get you some food? Let me go ahead and pick that up for you. Like, don't worry about that. I'll go take care of that for you. Like we're going out of our ways in so many ways um, to take care of people. What do you think about that? Um, honestly, you brought back some old memories <laughs> of mine. <laughs> you brought back some old memories of mine. So I was thinking, Hello, girl. Hello. <laughs> you talked about hosting and being a hostess with the mostest. And, you know, as we talk about uh, people pleasing, which that is our topic, I remember my mom hosting um, cousins who I don't even know where they come from. Um, <laughs> cousins popping up tios, popping up tias, popping up and just living with us for a while until okay. they get it together, you know, being into a new country, the U.S., and uh -huh. then find their way. So, yeah, all of that just popped up. I totally forgot about that. So I grew up with a lot of people just coming in and out the house but um, my mom was being the hostess with the most is just making sure that they found their way here in America. So, yeah. And so um, it's interesting how we get to see those dynamics come up in our lives of like having to go out of our ways to take care of people. Um, but that kind of grows onto us in a way where I think ultimately if you don't build boundaries, it becomes something that's very exhaustive and energy drainer and sometimes it's like really like stop coming to me I, I appreciate that you're coming to me but like I feel like overwhelmed overload it just becomes too much at some point that is true and that's something that I can say that I didn't recognize until I got older mm -hmm. um what boundaries were and um whether or not I've seen them growing up in different dynamics relationship dynamics but what I realized is that I'm just from my upbringing, right? right. We we'll talk about the origin. Um, I told you about how my mom, I was her shadow. I, I went wherever <laughs> she went. And, you know, if she was out helping somebody, I was out helping somebody with her. And just in watching that, I can say that that definitely shaped my life. Um, 
to the point where I grew up absolutely loving community service. So I went to Catholic school. Yeah, we met doing community oh, service. We, did. we, we <laughs> met in the community <laughs> advocacy world, if you didn't know. We did. Just how much Ashley loves the community. <laughs> that is big facts. You know, we should have started with that. How yeah, did we for meet? Real. How did we meet? How did we meet? But yeah, it was working in the community, you know, Fifth Ward. Gotta hey, love hey. Fifth Ward. If y'all haven't heard about Fifth Ward Houston, learn about yeah. it. Yeah, y'all have so many misconceived conceptions about Fifth Ward, but Fifth Ward, there's a lot of pride. There's a lot of love. There is a large sense of community and, and deep rooted history and you know, it's also hard there. Like you, you want to help, you, you want, want to, to please, you want to yeah. give. Um, but there's so much out of you that you can actually give without training yourself. Yes, yes. So back to just the adversities of people pleasing and you know boundary setting. Just like you said, you know, going to a community, working in a community like that, just serving the people. There's so much that you want to do for others, but you have to realize you got to take care of yourself too. Yeah. Um. And I guess that's what's helped me over this journey as well, is learning that I got to sell some boundaries for myself. So tell us what was happening in your life where you got to these instances where you were like, this is too much. Yes. What, what, so, what was going on? What were you experiencing? And when were you like, I need to change? Yes. Um, honestly, I can say it's when I started having anxiety attacks in college. That is a serious topic that... Mm -hmm. people it's super it's super complex people don't understand what anxiety is and it's starting to get I guess a conversation about it in a general sense is starting to get normalized but right. you have to actually pay attention to where that comes from mm -hmm. because it can bring you into a place where you don't know yourself mm -hmm. you know your body is reacting to things your body is telling you something you have to listen to it so um the sense really came in when I was in undergrad and I just started just passing out in different places. You were passing out? I was passing out on campus. Like walking yes. and you walking, you're giving out. Wow. And, and what was going on in your world around that time that was bringing on uh, yes. these symptoms of anxiousness? It was, I think, it was a combination of things. It was the fact that I... Felt like I had something to prove. Okay. I felt like I had a lot to prove. So I was taking a whole bunch of classes. First of all, don't do that. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too late, girl. <laughs> taking a bunch of classes. Um, let's see. What I didn't realize then is that I was putting pressure on myself. Okay. I heard that a bunch of times. Um, it got to a point where the school sent me a notice, told me that they were going to send me in um, mandatory, send me to mandatory therapy sessions. So they even knew, like, yes. people knew you were overwhelmed. Yes. It got to a point, <laughs> you guys, it was so embarrassing. Um, it got to a point where the ambulance came to my dorm. And, wow. yeah, they had the therapist with them, too, for a sit-down. Because I guess there were, it's just something I wasn't talked about, um, going through anxiety in college. So it wasn't talked about much, but the school had a plan. So thank you. <laughs> shout out to the school. Shout out for to the school. Because I didn't have one. <laughs> yes, the school had a plan, except for I didn't agree with the plan. Okay. So, why, yes. why did you not agree with the plan? I didn't Tell agree us. with the plan because growing up people pleasing, right? You don't really talk about yourself and what you're going through. So you you just were not in a place to receive 
some type of help back because you used to giving all the time. I'm used and that's the thing about people pleasing. Backbone. It's giving. You're giving. You're giving. I'm used and to you being don't someone's take. back. Yes, exactly. So the school had a plan and I was like, no. Not so not having it. <laughs> the therapist came into my dorm and my best friend, who was my roommate at the time, she didn't know what was going on with me herself. And I knew her since fourth grade. Aww. She didn't know what was going on with me. And so we were in a dorm where, you know, two people in this room and then there's a shared bathroom and then another two people. Right. Mm -hmm. So four people, one bathroom. And so they have a private door and we have a private door. The therapist comes in, the um, paramedics come in, and Did I'm like, "No, they were coming." No, no, okay, I didn't know. They knocked on the door. Yeah, all right, yeah, and then they escorted my roommate out, um, my best friend out, and so when they came in, I was super uncomfortable. Yeah, so I snuck. Well, I told them that I had to use the bathroom, and it snuck out. <laughs> so you ran away. <laughs> I ran away. I left. <laughs> I left. I absolutely left. It was fight or flight. And for me, I'm like, these people, I don't know y'all. Um, yeah. I don't know what's going on with myself right now. Like, I'm just, like, super overwhelmed. I'm away from home, which is something that I thought I desperately needed um, to be away from home at the time. And so I took flight. That's and so overwhelming, too, because, like, I don't know you. We have not built a report. You're coming at me sideways thinking you're going to save me and and you you flee but you flee from a response of like I don't know the situation I'm going to go protect myself. Yes, to protect myself. And it was such a traumatic event honestly. I forgot about that too. So Girl, anyway. we bringing up wounds today. <laughs> we are, but um I could laugh about it now. I could laugh about okay. it now. I okay. really can, which is a great thing cuz who I've been through We're, we're growing. We're healing, we're growing, you know. You know, but I heal. I'll heal. There we go. So anyways, um, yeah, I took flight. And then my roommate, she calls. She doesn't know what's going on. Okay. She calls her mom, who then gets in contact with my mom. And while I'm gone. So she snitched on you? She, she did. Oh, she <laughs> did. She did. And I love you so much. Appreciate you, girl. I love you so much. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she did. And so while I'm fleeing, uh. I'm getting phone calls from my entire family. My mom, my tia. Um, my madrina, which is godmother for those who don't know, but that's what I call her, my madrina. So, um, yeah, I'm getting calls from them. Right. And they're blowing up my phone. So I finally called my mom back. Wow. And at this point, I'm panicking. She never suspected any of this from me. So that was my breakthrough. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's when I figured out, okay, I have a lot going on and a lot mm. to figure out. Yeah, and and I can only imagine the things you were experiencing, seeing, encountering, and and finding out. Like I am overwhelmed. This has become too much for me. And and I feel like college is pressuring in itself. Like I remember being an undergrad, e even going into some of the um, places where people eat and they're on their laptop working. I'm like, should I be working too? Like. <laughs> Should I be doing this too? Um, and even yeah. hosting people back at my apartment and being like, let me cook for you. Let me do this for you. And mm -hmm. I felt like I entertained doing more hosting than I did entertaining my education okay. sometimes. It happens. <laughs> and it happens. But um, so tell us a little bit about like what that burnout was for you and, and people pleasing and what were some of the boundaries you had to set? Yes, so whew. some of the boundaries I had to set was with myself. Okay. I had to set my own limitations. I had to 
come up with a plan that would basically, I wouldn't say, um, I would say shield myself, shield myself. It was really me versus me, but I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, I eventually did go back to the therapist. Um, we talked about it and we came up with a plan for myself, um, and I'm proud of you, though. Like, that you. is some major accountability because a lot of the times when you're not ready to face what you're experiencing, you will tend to blame everybody else for what's happening to you. But you have allowed that into your life. You have allowed yourself to people please. You have allowed yourself to, like, take some of the BS from people. Like, you have allowed these things to infiltrate your space where sometimes you blame them versus saying, like, well, who let them in? I was the gatekeeper. That was me. I was a doorman. I was a doorman. I literally just let the door open. <laughs> I let, come right in. Come, come in here. <laughs> come right in. But this is the thing. I was letting, I was letting people in, not to be into my life or know anything much about me, but for me to be available to them. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so would you cancel your plans, shift stuff to make things work for other people? I would, but let me, t- <laughs> okay, so you talked about how people were in the lunchroom or the dining room with their computers, right? Right. I was at football games with my computer. Girl, you I ain't was- even watching the game. <laughs> I was not, but I had on the gear, though. I had on okay, the gear. That's all that matters. And I had my friends right there, you know. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was me. I... Try to... But what out of those situations were you like, instead of prioritizing you, you still went out and did this for somebody else? Yes. I think it was more so like, I don't want to let anyone down. Okay. And I don't want to let myself down either. Mm. But, you know, in reality, I'm still letting myself down, right? Do you have FOMO? Huh. FOMO? What what is that? Fear of missing out? Right, fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. Um, Somebody told me I had FOMO the other day. I'm like, you know, you might be right. You might be... (laughs) I do have FOMO. I do. Okay. I'm not going to lie about it. But I also, I tend to make my own opportunities, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if I can't make something, that's perfectly fine. I mean, it sucks. But let's do something else yeah. when I can type of thing. But when there's a football game, I can't reschedule the game myself, right? right? <laughs> so that's just that's just what I went through in undergrad. And I figured it out. I figured it out. Um, it took a while. It was a journey. You know, undergrad is typically four years, right? It was a journey. Uh-huh, typically. Right. <laughs> you know, it was it was a journey. It was a long four years, but I was able to figure it out. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, Not by myself, though. No, you... I sought help. You sought help. Saw it, help. And when you sought help, was that, like, your own counselor? Um, or yes. Or friends, or what? What was it for you? It was... It was friends. It was me taking care of my health, so... If I felt overwhelmed, I would definitely talk to someone who I felt like I could talk to. Not someone. And that's where I went wrong, though. We're talking about boundary setting, right? Right. For me, I'm like, um, well, then I was like, (laughs) right, we're growing here. We're healing. (laughs) We're healing. But um, then it was more so like I'm not going to burden my friends who are coming to me because they have things going on with what I have going on. Now we have just this gumbo of. Yeah, crap going on, right? And you were conscious to not dump on your friends. Low key, like that is something we got to recognize in our friendships that 
somebody might not be prepared to hear the things that you are experiencing and you are going through. And you kind of have to ask like, hey, I can I like like let you know what's been going on with me. Are you in a place to receive? Because they might be overwhelmed, too, and not be in a place to receive. And then you might get mad that they don't respond the way that you want them to respond. But also, nobody's responsible for your feelings and emotions. Right. Exactly. Exactly. There's so many complexities with that. I know. I'm like, all <laughs> of it. All of it know, is something. You have to be able to understand it, though, and be thoughtful and be conscious. And that's that was my bone that I was picking with myself. Mm-hmm. Back to me saying I was really hard on myself and it was really me versus me. I'm sure if I would have opened up to my friends and told them what I had going on, maybe they would have been able to help me in some type of way, in some type of way. But um, I wasn't, I didn't even try to burden them. I thought about it. Like, you know, yeah. let me, let me, you know, to the point where you ever went to text someone and you're typing it, especially, and you don't, you're like, you know what? No. Nah. And you backspace, and you exit <laughs> out, and then you just sit there or something, find something else to do. Yeah. That was me mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So what I did was go to someone that's getting paid for me to burden them. <laughs> I'm like, you know? this is your job. To hear this me. is your job. <laughs> to trauma this dump is on your you. job. So that's what I did. Okay. And um, yeah. it took a while, and it's still a journey, uh-huh. you know? I have a therapist, a great one right now, by the Love way. Love you, girl. Yes. Boy, whoever you are. One nine. Woman. Woman. <laughs> I love her so much because the fourth time is a charm. Okay. Fourth or fifth. And it's a dating a journey going um, yes. and seeking counseling. And there was actually a, a study that said that how many people, after their first session, they don't come back for a second session. And it's because they either get discouraged or it's not the right fit. And so they don't come back. But just like dating, it, it's the same thing in counseling. You have to find the right fit counselor for you because not every counselor is going to be meant for you. So you have to go search and look for the right one that is going to be for you. And uh, you were kind of reminding me earlier, some of the boundaries that I had to set within people pleasing within my own family. And so um, I feel that you know, within our parents, they're like, yo, yo, I go todo para ustedes, y ustedes no hacen nada para mí. Like, I do everything for y'all, and y'all don't do nothing for me. Um, whenever y'all need me, I'm here. And, uh, you know, some of that guilt trip that comes <laughs> yes. with, like, Latino, Infamous. <laughs> Infamous. Latino households. And so, knowing that I'm a very scheduled person, like, I don't know how many times I've sent my friends Calendly links to schedule meetings with me. Um, but I am very scheduled out because I want to make sure that I make adequate amount of time for the activities that I'm doing because I do get overwhelmed. I'll say yes to every single person, but realistically, I can't say yes to 10 people on one day. So I have to schedule myself out. So that's one of my tips and tricks is I use Google Calendar I schedule everything like, okay, Monday nights. Yeah, I know I'm available. Like we can go to Postino's 6 to 8 p.m., girl. <laughs> get, get our computerie board and our wine. Um, but I had to do this with my mom too. So what I started, because my mom's like, oh, we got to pay the taxes. We got to do this. We got to do that. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I have availability Thursday, 9 a.m. Does that work for you? And so at first, I'm not going to say that I didn't get pushback. I absolutely got pushback because it was something that they're not used to. Like they ask you for something they want to hear and they want to now. And so over time, 
um, they finally got used to being like, okay, like you have time on Thursday. Like, yeah, I got time on Thursday and I'll schedule it. They know to expect it too. And then we're all in a better space to like really do the activity that we're going to set out to do versus like feeling forced to do it here and now because you're like demanding it of me. Yes. But really we, it's just respecting each other's time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, did you get any backlash? Like I know you said it was something <laughs> that they had to like, you know, adjust to. Right. Cause that's a big change, you know, not having your kids available every time you need them to, especially when yeah. going into adulthood. Right. Oh my God. So I'm wondering what type of backlash did you have to go through to get where you are now where they're more understanding? Um, I think some, I, I still had to hear the same things of like, but I mean, no tienes tiempo. Like mm -hmm. for me, you don't have time. Like, um, so I had to hear it for a while mm -hmm. until like you actually were committed to the plans that you say you were going to do. Like, Hey mom, don't worry about it. We're going to take care of it. I have more time to dedicate to it on Thursday nine to this or whatever. And so I think once they started seeing the execution and then they started seeing me being more prosperous and other aspects of my life, they were able to really understand like why it was that I needed to be scheduled about these activities and why it was important to do that. So that while it does hurt that like you're getting pushback for setting boundaries, because to be honest, you, I feel like people get adjusted. You people please so much. People get adjusted that you're always going to be available, that you're always going to do whatever they want you to do, that like Denise is going to always take care of it. Mm -hmm. But the reality is like, People get tired. I get tired of giving of myself. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I get that. Um, I also feel like it's something our families aren't accustomed to <laughs> is having boundaries of their own. They're not used to it. Not at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> what are boundaries? What are those, right? <laughs> what are those? <laughs> no, but that's true. I, I really respect that because for I'm kind of I'm going through the same thing too. Um, but it seems like you things have gotten better for oh, you. Yeah. But I'm definitely I would say I'm in the thick of it. Like okay. you know, I started setting boundaries. Um with my mom last year. And this is wild because you'd be like, I'm married. I'm out the house. You and know? you're still treating me this way. What and is going on? And married, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> She'll tell me something like, I don't want to bother you if you're with your husband. I'm like, woman. Like, I'm absolutely with my husband. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> but, you, but you can still call me. Yeah, but it's okay. It's okay. Mind you, she. I think that's just her being nice. Okay. Like she's going to get to what she <laughs> needs regardless, right? But no, you. Um, I started setting those boundaries, and they're getting better. Um, but I'm definitely in the thick of it. But you brought up a great point when you said your mom just calling about, you know, we got to get the taxes done, do the taxes, and scheduling time for that, right? That's another thing of people pleasing, especially in um, Latino community or just you know families, immigrant families. Um, we do have to take on a major responsibility in a household, like. Wow. I have the similar have similar conversations and um it got to a point where I used to tell my friends like, yeah, me and my mom, we have more of a business relationship. <laughs> you know? That that's and that's so weird that we're yeah. more transactional than we more are transactional. emotional. Cause I don't feel like I am emotional, at least with my mother. Right. I, I feel like it's very transactional. Yeah. I I can relate to that. For me, um, i I attempt to get that nurturing side out of my mom, mm. but we go through a lot to get there. It was like, rough. you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was rough. 
you know, we go through the phase where are you saying I'm not a good I'm not a good mom oh, with todo que yo hace and da, 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 da. Yeah. okay, ma'am, no, no yeah. one ever said that. And I think it, it it's just also understanding mental health differently for different yes. generations. Like we're in this generation where we're acknowledging the feelings, the emotions that we are going through some shit. Yes. <laughs> And I know that you're going through some shit too. <laughs> For real. Like, you know. Like, mom, Just stop running. <laughs> stop running. I know you, man. I know you said. You know. Don't play. I was like, you know, like, mm. I acknowledge you. Yeah. But we have to have patience. Yes. And, and I know? think for our immigrant parents, your priority was survivorship. Yes. So, like, for you, you're not thinking about, I'm sad. You're thinking about, like, I need to go work. Uh-huh. <laughs> I need to go get this bag. Like, how mm-hmm. am I going to eat? So, it's a survivorship mindset that they have versus us where, yes, we're surviving and, yes, we're working. But things are a little bit more settled for us. We're also incorporating thinking emotions and empathy and yes. how am I affecting other people? And yes. that's also exhausting, too. There is such thing as a mental exhaustion. Yes, absolutely. Like, burnout is all over. Mm-hmm. Burnout isn't just in your job. You know, there's this new thing called quiet quitting. Oh. Not the quiet quitting, you know. <laughs> burnout isn't just your job. Burnout is, yeah, in your relationships with your family, with your friends, um, you know, even your coworkers who became friends. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just that type of thing. And it is something that's very difficult right. to express to your family. And not even just immigrant families. Like, you know, um, any type of family to where your parents are a little bit reliant on you, rightfully so. Expectations of what they want out of you. Expectations are so high, and you also may have expectations for yourself as well, but you have to navigate those. And at that point, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes it leads to you living a whole double life. You know, not a girl, like, you living a love life. I'm like, like, what kind of life you live in? It can, it can definitely result to that. Like my life shifts when I'm around my mom. And no, it's just a different thing. And I, I was previously in a relationship where my partner did not understand my family dynamic. And my mom needed me to go with her to a doctor appointment. And I was like, I'm sorry. I know we had something scheduled, but my mom really needs me right now. And he didn't understand why I was canceling on him to go with my mom. Um, And it just created a lot of issues. Um, But it's hard to understand those Latino dynamics of like, well, I have a doctor's appointment. You got to come with me. Yes. And being like, I'm I'm sorry. I know we had plans. And you're in this in-between of like picking and choosing and feeling bad because you want to keep your word with this person. But you also know that your mother needs you. Like, what do you do? Like, I don't what I think I. I don't I don't even remember what I ended up doing. I probably but I still feel like I disappointed someone. And I yes. think that's the thing. You want to oh, please ache. both parties, but you can't please everyone. And, and that's the reality. You can't make everyone happy. That is a major reality. And um you talk well, you asked me earlier, when did I come to this realization about the effects and complexities of people pleasing? Right. That's another thing that I learned along this journey is that you cannot please everyone. And um, Man. that's another thing that you hear <laughs> often, but you don't actually understand what it means until you have to apply it to your own life. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that brought me to choosing myself and choosing myself and choosing myself. And it's like a lesson that you keep on learning, or at least that I keep right. on learning. Um, just like when you read the Bible and there's a whole bunch of stories. 
And it's the same stories, really. You know, (laughs) the same endings. But it's for you to remember Uh that, um, you know, these little tools is something that you have to apply in every area of your life. And just last year, um, my mom, this is 2023. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Let just me please. check my calendar. I think, I think we in 2023. I'm not, I'm not sure. We, we might be right? a couple more Yeah, weeks. that's wild. We're like two weeks away from 2024, two y'all. Two whole weeks. So literally two whole weeks. Yep. The first is on and Monday. This is, this is airing literally five days into the new year. Hello. <laughs> but yes, um, in 2022, I got married. And in 2022, Congratulations. thank you. My mom was diagnosed with a very, very oh. serious illness. I'm sorry, my friend. And my whole life shifted. Of course, hers did too, because unfortunately, she was the one who was actually ill. Um, but I had to pretty much move from Houston back to Louisiana while married, and my husband was here in Houston to be there for my mom. That's rough. Yeah, and it first started off with me going back and forth. And um, that was hard on me because I couldn't help but think, like, of course, it's happening right now. And, you know, I felt guilty for thinking that. Like, in the midst of, like, I'm supposed to be enjoying my marriage? Yes. Okay. So, one of the advice that, well, repetitive advice that I've gotten going into my marriage was that um, the first year is the hardest. Hmm. The first year is the hardest because like things that? happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was like, man, did these people try to jinx me? But no. <laughs> they did their job purpose. No, it was real. I mean, for me, at least, my mom being in Louisiana was going through, I mean, the unimaginable. And she had just lost her best friend months prior to that, which was my grandmother. So, so much was going on with my mom. Um, I felt she ended up getting cancer. I felt the lump weeks before my wedding. And then after the wedding is when she got the actual diagnosis, right? Wow. So it's a lot going on, like the timing. And timing everything. again. My grandmother had just passed. That was her best friend. Um, so just oh my goodness, feeling so sorrowful for my mom, feeling so much sadness, um, just mm-hmm. sadness for her. And you know I'm a very empathetic person, so I feel and I I feel and I feel right for other people. If you fall right now, I'm gonna feel it in my bones. I felt yesterday. You, I know. you must have felt that. I know. When I see when I seen your leg, I was like, oh, the, the look of my leg. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But yeah, um, my life shifted, and right. again, I have three older brothers, right? And we talk about the responsibility on. So the did girl. you feel like? They didn't step up? Absolutely. I love y'all. Absolutely. And I, I can sympathize with that feeling. Yeah. It's a painful one. Yeah. It's a painful and, one. And But I feel like there's also this expectation that because the girl is the one that nurtures, we're the ones that are expected to do the caregiving anyways. And so, like, my dad was in a really bad car accident some time ago. And while my brothers were supportive as much as they could be, I was the one that was really attentive mm-hmm. and really was like trying to figure out medications, trying to figure out food, making sure like, can y'all come and take dad a bath? Like mm-hmm. to help me do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gets very overwhelming. And I think that's also very scary because yes. our parents are getting older. Yeah. And let me not cry. Like they're, they're yes, getting older. Then I'm going to 
cry. Oh my god, don't we're start crying. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. But like they're getting older yeah. and, and so it's weird for me to not even think about my future plans for marriage and housing and not even think about my parents. Mm-hmm. Like I when people tell me what's my dream home, I'm literally saying I want an hacienda so like the corner of the house is like my parents' own living space where they have their own rooms, their own kitchens, and like y'all can hit me up, but I'm on the other corner. Uh-huh. But I can I can take care of you and keep tabs on you, but you're here. Like and I'm also thinking about my suegros that I don't even uh-huh. got. <laughs> and I'm like, they can live in the other corner. Are we here, wing there? I'm over here, you're over there, and my parents are over there. Like it's just a whole family affair. Mm-hmm. Um but it's a beautiful thought. That's a beautiful dream. A beautiful that's dream. So with that, beautiful. But so beautiful. I'm the one that's thinking about this. I don't yeah. know that my siblings are thinking about yeah. this. Yeah, I do. I do get that. I felt the same way, right? Except mine's kind of have a sad story. Oh. Um, yeah, but I felt the same way. Like, you know, my mom is, how old am I? My mom is 67. Yeah, and then my grandmother, when she was living, I just knew that. One day I'll be able to have, you know, them all together again. Not in the same house. Very similar to what you said. Not in the same house exactly. But, you know, right wing, left wing. Mm -hmm. I'll have them here together or build this beautiful house in Honduras or something like that. Um, And I didn't get that chance. Or I just knew that my grandmother, although I was not rushing to have kids, I don't have any yet. But they're, you know, they're waiting on me. But um, I just knew that I would get a chance for my grandmother to hold my kid at least. And then I would get that picture that I could frame. And then after that, you know, I, I'll let her do whatever she want. Not that it was up to me. Right. But I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's okay. But the thought is something that I hold on to because it gives me comfort. Right. Like, what are our key takeaways of today, people pleasing, some of the encounters that we have gone through um, and just the way that they affected us. And so I guess for me, it's really been that acknowledging where people pleasing started. Yes. And so for me, it started in my family unit and it's just grown and evolved in other ways within my friendships, within me, like at the church. And to be honest, like I had to step away from church as well because I felt like I was giving on myself all the time versus like receiving. Mm -hmm. And so it just got to a point where like, this is too overwhelming. Like I can't participate in this anymore. Like I feel drained. Mm -hmm. Um, And then setting boundaries with family, friends and, and yourself. Cause you said this very much myself. Mm -hmm. What about you? Yeah, definitely. Um, For me, so similar. Uh, Yeah. Upbringing my family. I was raised by a bunch of women. They all had their own expectations. So um, I had to make sure, in my mind at least, and what I've seen growing up, I had to make sure that they were happy or pleased or whatever it is that I do or how I respond, how yeah. quickly I'm there for them. I grew up with my grandma in that house. So she used to spend three months here in the States, three months in Honduras, you know, back and forth. And um, one thing about my grandmother, she never drove a day in her life. She was passenger princess okay. for life. For life. She <laughs> rode in the backseat, backseat princess for sure. Backseat princess. Um, she never had to work a day in her life. Um, she was that queen. Right, right. But that woman was nothing nice. 
she was looking at that was my girl though love her so much she was just <laughs> she was just a spicy lady um spicy. was she short <laughs> and she was <laughs> short and feisty <laughs> hello she was definitely short and, and feisty um she was a disciplinarian mm. in her entire family mm. and um she every time she got upset with us, she would tell us a story about she lost her grandmother at twelve, so nobody could talk to her any type of way, don't back talk her type of thing. Okay, okay. Because yes, yeah, she lost her her grandmother. I mean, I'm sorry, she lost her mother when she was twelve, and so she really felt like, you know, mm-hmm. um, my she would say my dad is gone. Of course, all of this in Spanish. Yeah. My dad is gone. Um, I lost my mom when I was twelve, so y'all can't tell me nothing. And she meant that. Right. <laughs> she, she really meant playing. that. She was not playing. So her being a disciplinarian, those times that she spent here with us, or those months that she spent here with us, um, I had to do whatever I could to make sure she was happy. She didn't know, for example, if she didn't know how to turn on the washing machine mm-hmm. and she yelled for you, you better be there. You better run. You better run. You know, if she needed you to fix the TV or do something with the TV, you better, you better run and do <laughs> you it. You better run. Yes. <laughs> so... Anyways, all that to say, love her, miss her, but there were a lot. There's a lot of women mm-hmm. in my life that I felt like I had to yeah. please, um, and I had to move similar to because I adore these women. Yeah, I so, adore them. So. so some of that people pleasing is pleasing other people and or meeting their expectations and and what they want for you. And and I kind of feel that same too. Like I don't want to disappoint. Yes, I don't want to disappoint. So I'm gonna do whatever it takes. Yes. To, to uh, please you, uh, please the things that you're wanting from me, but not you're not even knowing that that's affecting me in a way where yes. I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling emotional, I'm feeling unsupported because while you're expecting of this, I'm busting my butt and I'm trying to figure out how I can make it happen. Absolutely. But I am tired and exhausted. Absolutely. To the point where, you know, I had to realize and in my adulthood or whatever you may think, going to college, I had to realize that I'm human. I'm human. I am human. Let me remind myself, I am human. I am human, you know. (laughs) You are human. (laughs) You are human. You deserve grace. You deserve to give yourself grace. You deserve to give others grace because with those expectations, now you may put expectations upon other people, and when they don't meet those expectations, you're left hurt. And that pain, Mm. that pain is really... You versus you, because at the end of the day, not saying don't have expectations for people. And this is me to me, right? Right. Don't have expectations. Not saying don't have expectations for people, but be realistic. You know, you are human and you are an individual. Although I may act as superwoman Mm -hmm. all the time and be that strong person. Mind you, in this journey, I learned that I don't want to be the strong person. I'm tired. Don't look at me like I'm strong. I'm human. <laughs> I am human. Yes, yes, I can handle things, but I can't handle everything. Yes. And, and I think this is why I'm also wanting to take not the backseat in a relationship, but I want, I lead enough. I lead mm-hmm. in my workplace. I lead in my friendships I had one of my group of friends be like, Denise, we invited you on a trip because I, you know you had a plan. <laughs> and I love <laughs> oh y'all. I love the trip. Um, and I did not end up planning, which I appreciate y'all taking up the task in the role, but people know that I do and they expect. And so when I think about me being in a relationship, I want to be a passenger princess. Yes. I want to be able to shut off my brain and be yes. like, you made the reservation, honey. I'm going like, <laughs> you, like you, you taking the lead because I am tired of taking the lead in yes. every other aspect of my life. That part. 
hard. Mm-hmm. And you should be allowed I, and to I, feel that I way. I don't want to people please in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to be myself. I want to shut down. I want to cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I want to cry. <laughs> if you want to cry, yeah, go I cry. I want to look ugly cry. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it happens, right? It's natural. It's natural. You know, something that's going to happen in life mm-hmm. where we got an ugly cry. So, you know. <laughs> but yeah no those are those are things that i tell myself and things that i want for myself and i have to put in the work to actually have for myself right mm-hmm. um i do and um i definitely can relate to being put into something because you know you're that leader you're that person um my cousins and i joke about how indecisive one of us can be so I'll sit back and I'll be like, you know, you make a decision. I'm not trying to you make no decisions. Stay quiet. You know, you gotta stay mm-hmm. quiet and be able to find comfort in that quietness. Oh my! Don't feel forced to say something. And just like I told you, you right. know, at the end of the day, we're human. It's natural. Things are natural. Um, one natural instinct of minds is to lead. If you know things get a little bit awkward, look, mm-hmm. let's fix it. Let's get yeah. over that hump. And, and that's such a serious conversation is when you're a person that people pleases, you tend to always be the first one to volunteer, sign up. You'll be like, okay, fine. Nobody wants yeah, to do let's it. Let, let me do let's it. Move on. Yeah, let, let's move on. Let me do it. But you have to become comfortable with that silence and let other people to fill the void because your natural instinct is to fill the void by mm-hmm. leading. And so you just have to kind of take a step back and sit in the background let it be awkward and be like y'all figure it out because i ain't yes. gonna do it today and that's true that's something honestly i've learned through my husband because mm-hmm. that's how he works he, he big chilling what <laughs> man big chilling mind you an amazing leader an amazing man Aww. um absolutely he's shout been supportive shout out to him He's been supportive throughout this entire journey. He also did not realize my family dynamic. Wow. Just like you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. He didn't realize my family dynamic until recently after we got married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gonna find out. But he's still here, you know? <laughs> he's still through better, here. through worse. Here we are, <laughs> <You> boo. <know? laughs> and I think that's the thing about anything mental health related. Mm-hmm. It's not just this cut and dry like Mm -mm. it's not linear black and white it's not black and white Mm -mm. like there's so much in between so within talking about people pleasing we're thinking about our family history we're Mm -hmm. thinking about where we are today like where it has presented ourselves where it took us in feeling severe mental health symptoms because we're we're people pleasing now we feel overwhelmed and anxious and and like just Every, burnout, everything. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Sometimes it could get into that gut feeling. Yeah. And um, it's something that, honestly, if you've experienced that gut feeling before, I'm sure you don't want to experience it again. And if okay. it happens again, you probably panic just a little bit because you're familiar <laughs> with that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that's just, you know, you got to figure it out, shake it off. <laughs> shake it off. You know, deal with it. Go ahead first. Um, it depends on what you have going on. I would say for myself that day, like it depends on a day. If I have time to acknowledge my feeling, I'm gonna have to sit with it so I can get through it. If I don't have time, I have to write it down yeah. because at the end of the day, I don't want it to creep up on me mm-hmm. at the wrong time. Again, we're human, yeah. you know, and, so. and acknowledging the way you're feeling. So then you're able to make a informed decision. It's conscious. A, yeah. You, you have to make an informed decision because I'm feeling overwhelmed. I know that I'm not, able to serve you the way that I can. 
and being able to vocalize is is the most powerful thing you can do. And I think it's hard because I hate being confrontational. Mm. I, oh my god, I don't like telling people like I'm not okay doing that. But th- there's other people that are like, nah, it's I'm not doing that. And I'm like, you bold as hell. I'm like, I love it. <laughs> you you real bold. I don't know that I gotta do that, I but love it. um, it just and it is a little confrontational. But because we're so used to always taking it. Yes. Within people pleasing, you're used to always saying yes. So for you to say no, it's going to feel very unnatural. You know what? That is it. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and write that down. Write it down, girl. Yeah, because that is true for me. I've I've taught myself that it is. And it's a lot of it's a lot of working on yourself, by the mm-hmm. way. I've been working and I, I know it's up for everything because I am who I am. Yeah. And I'm OK with that. I'm perfectly mm-hmm. OK with that. But not being hard, too hard on myself. Right. Also, right. But I've learned that I have to tell myself that just because you tell somebody you're not comfortable or just because you tell somebody no, that doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It's not. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be confrontational. You just yeah. say what you say and that's okay. Yeah. And, and if they take it another way, that's not on you. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to where there's a will, there's a way. So if it's not going to happen this way, they got to figure out how to make it happen a different way. Yes, because it's not just you. It's not just you. It's not just you. Mm-mm. Yep. Oh, girl. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you for having this conversation. It's not easy. It's an everyday journey. And I know I'll be in my feels about this. I'll be in my feels about people pleasing. Uh, But But you know what? But I'll heal. I'll heal. (laughs) Thank you so much, Ashley. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Um, Anything else? Anything else? What Mm. I can say is that... um, People pleasing has taught me I have to fend for myself in every direction. So with that being said, um, that happens in careers too. So I decided to, along with my other skills, become an entrepreneur for myself. Hello, girl. For me. Hello. So yeah, that's (laughs) about it. Um, That's all I have to say. And also, thank you, though. Thank you for this space. Thank you for always, for being more than someone who I worked with in the community or who I just did some um, volunteering with, but a freaking friend. Oh. You know? I'm a crap. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. But no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it for giving people like myself a space to have these conversations because oftentimes, again, I came from a place where I didn't wear my heart on my sleeve. Like right. my best friend didn't know how mm. bad or how severe mm. my anxiety was until things hit the fan. Right. She had no idea. So I'm not the type of person who openly talks about myself, but I'm not going to say that if you don't conversate with me, I don't share. Right. But I have to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to feel like someone cares about me enough for this conversation to be relevant and, Nothing more, right? Right. So thank you for opening that conversation and just giving me that space. Well, thank you just for being open. Um, yeah. it, it's hard. It's not easy. And and I think as myself going into this mental health world, uh, it's getting to learn, like, what do you say? And, and also remembering that, like, your friends are not mental health professionals either. They will not know what to say. And you can't expect them to know what to say either. Um, but I'm just more conscious about the way I function and roll in this world. But appreciate you. I love you. I love you. And 
and uh, this is the first episode that's airing for In My Feels But I Heal podcast. <laughs> and I'm so excited that you were able to open this up. Um, and it's going to be an amazing year for us yes. as entrepreneurs. We're going to get it, girl. We're going to get it. We're going to get it, you know. Also, happy 2024. Happy 2024, y'all. Yes. Feliz Nuevo Año. Feliz Año Nuevo. Feliz Nuevo Año. I was going to say Feliz Navidad, but... Feliz Navidad también. You-